I made this series about about two years ago. Some of you, some of you were here in 2020 when we were having youth on Sundays. This was right when we were trying to get back to church again. And I did a series on Sundays called Asking for a Friend, and I did it for about five weeks. And uh, Sundays didn't work anymore because, you know, COVID was kind of dying down in the, at the end of that time. So we went back to Wednesdays. Um, we did Wednesdays and Sundays, but I just added Sundays. So um, I did the series, but but 95% of y'all, I'm pretty sure, have not heard the series. You've probably heard of it before if you were in Youth Life back in 2020, but it's been two years and I have not preached this. And I'm a little bit more of an experienced preacher. I have not preached like that since 2020. So um, I'm excited to preach this one again, because this is, this is if you've ever heard the phrase asking for a friend, you know that it's a question that you're really asking, but you really don't want to ask because it's awkward. Like, I, I can't think of an example like, oh, how do you clean up cat poop asking for a friend? Like, you figure out some type of question that you're too afraid to ask, so you'll say asking for a friend. These, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about questions and topics that we don't like to ask or even try and get into uh, with others. Because it's scary sometimes, because some people are reckless and ruthless with their answers and um, these certain subjects are, is what every high schooler deals with nowadays in 2022. These are subjects that are relevant to today, and some of them have been around since the beginning of freaking time. So it's been around for a long time, but I want to hit each subject um, as we do it for the next couple of weeks. We will have live groups in this month, but I really want to hit the nail here tonight with the first one. Um, and it's not what you think because, because naturally with the topic that we're talking about, it's more of like a bashing of something or your message is naturally like, Oh, I'm going to talk about this because it's so bad and it's so wrong. I want to shift the perspective of the series and talk about how, what you can do, not by what seeing somebody else is doing. And I want to talk about that. I want to give you some accountability for the next five weeks and for week one for asking for a friend, um, these first two weeks are two parts. The next two weeks after that are two parts. And then the fifth week is going to be one part. So we'll handle all that out once it, once it happens. But for week one of asking for a friend, the title of it is just simply called Sexuality Part One. Sexuality Part One. So you probably think, oh God, we're going to talk about sex. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Today, I want to talk about something that when I talked about it in 2020, I thought it was hilarious when I was talking about it at this time because I wasn't really as bold now as I was back then. I was very, I was a very shy preacher back then. Like when I first started, I was very intimidated, very insecure. I'm still insecure in areas now, but I was extremely insecure. I was very intimidated. It's not just by y'all, it's by anyone that listens to a message in general. And I was very, very intimidated. And this message, like when I pre, like when I'm, when I'm talking, if you know me, when I talk to you on a regular basis, I'm not very confrontational or blunt with people. I'm very more of like, I just want to have a conversation. I just want to chat, relax. You know, I'm not, I'm not a very confrontational human being when it comes to regular talk. But I feel like when I preach, I have more of a confrontational attitude because I know the truth sets us free when I preach it. Or when anybody preaches it, whether it's from a leadership team or someone on the main stage of our church, it's always, the truth will always be blunt when it's on the stage. And so that's why I like preaching 
these messages because it gives me this boldness. But I want to preach it very, very heavily today because this type of subject is a little bit more intense because I did not plan this. Because this part one is talking about sexual orientation and identity, uh, identity, gender identity issues. Those are the two types of subjects I'm talking about today. And the funny part is, is that it's Pride Month. I did not plan that whatsoever. This just landed on the radar and I didn't even realize it until I really looked at my message and then I looked at my Instagram and I was seeing like the NFL and all this stuff and I was like, I landed right on the pocket and now I got to preach it. So I'm excited though. This is not your typical message of like, like the dumbest, the dumbest thing like, oh, let's hate on, let's hate on people that are homosexual. Let's hate on this and that. Let's figure out how to get them out of their sin. That's not what this message is about. This message is about how you respond to certain things like this in your life that you're going to have to face. And your response is your responsibility. Your response is your responsibility. It's not, it's not your responsibility to control or change someone who's dealing with a specific type of sin. Your job and your responsibility is how you respond in love to someone who is struggling with that particular sin. So the question you're going to get asked is, you know, is homosexuality a sin? It's a natural, common question from our world, from the world we live in. And the funny thing is that a lot of people, like, beat around the bush, so to speak, because they're afraid of the reaction of what somebody else will say. And and you see it all the time when, when people are on the news asking the question, they get so nervous to actually answer the question. It's kind of like... You don't, have to, you don't have to try and articulate the question. It's very plain and simple. And I want to give you two scriptures on um, sexual orientation and gender identity issues. Uh, the first one is Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. It says, For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those who are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women. Did I say guys? No, I said gave. Gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Watch this. And since they did not see fit, watch this, to acknowledge God. God didn't condemn the people who were living in sin. They did not acknowledge God. And so he goes on to say, God gave them up. God did not condemn. God did not shame. He let them go because they gave in to that dishonorable passion. Put up that last verse, Matt. Verse 28. Since they did not see fit the, uh, to acknowledge God, God gave them a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So the natural thing people think is God hates gays. That's how you hear it. God hates gays. I've heard that a lot, a lot. And the funny thing is that what we miss, and this is not cliche, God God will always despise sin. God does not despise, God does not accept or enjoy sinful acts. He doesn't do that. But what God's not going to do is not stop loving that person that is struggling with that particular sin Because here's the deal. We put homosexuality at a very high pedestal of sin. And we put everything else, everything else at the bottom, 
and we put this on top a lot of the times. And the problem is, is that we, that, we, we bring ourselves to the fact, and this is what we're taught. This is what we're taught. Not how to respond to people who are dealing with this type of stuff. This is why a lot of people, and this is the responsibility on us. I'm not talking about shaming somebody else. It is our responsibility of how we respond. It is our responsibility of how we respond to these types of people. No wonder people are afraid to talk about it. No wonder people are afraid to really say what they want to say about what they're dealing with and who they are because they are so afraid of what a pastor, a leader, a student, a person in the congregation, anyone in church is afraid to say because of the reaction, of the response. Your response is your responsibility. That is your job. And here's the deal. When you use this scripture, you have to use it and focus on the scripture's clarity on calling homosexuality a sin. Don't try to articulate and make them be the worse or human being. All you have to do is if they say homosexuality is a sin, yes, it says it in Romans 6, 1, 26 through 28. That's all you have to do. You don't have to go into some type of elaboration of this is what you, you, you're so far gone from God. You're, you're this and you're that. And when we do that, it strips them away because your response is your responsibility. It's not the clarity of calling homosexuality a sin that can always be the problem. Because you can talk something in love and people will hate you. That's how That happens to everybody. But a lot of the times when you talk something in love, it's more, it's more accepted. How much more would you accept encouragement or correction or challenges if, if you felt like someone was loving you to do it? Wouldn't you do it? I would. If someone really came up to me and told it out of love and told it out of encouragement and told it out of you can do this, then I would be more receptible. But it's hard because we like to judge a stranger. The Bible says, better is an open rebuke from a friend than a deadly kiss from an enemy. We would rather judge a stranger and accept whatever our families are doing, accept whatever our, our friends are doing, but everybody else, nobody else, everybody else is doing wrong, but anyone in my circle is fine. Everyone in my circle is okay. But the problem is that even Pastor Brandon preached it, faith has no favoritisms, period. It does not matter who they are, what they are, what past they have. This is what God tells us to do. Two commandments, very simple, very easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's two simple commandments. God doesn't really command us to do a whole lot else. But those are the two main commandments that in, in the scriptures, in James, it says it fulfills God's law when we love one another. It fulfills God's law when we love others that are different from us. And it breaks, and it breaks my heart because when I was in youth, when I was younger, I wasn't popular like some other people. I wasn't in that vein so I had to live seeing other people get rejected and dismissed because of what they're dealing with. So it's like, okay, now I'm going to back up and not talk about it. I'm going to back up and not say anything about my problems. 
And this doesn't just come from other people and your peers. It can become, it can come behind closed doors. It can come from anything else where we don't like to talk about what we struggle with. That's why we like to say, oh, I'm just asking for a friend because we're afraid to deal with something that we know somebody else can help us with. So we live in fear of judgment, but not everyone is going to judge you for what you're dealing with. If God doesn't, a true Christian won't. If God doesn't, someone who genuinely will care about you won't. Because, because I had to learn that. Because if, because the, here's the, here's the reception. If people are like that, if Christians are like that, that must mean God's like that. That must mean that's an imitation of Christ. No, that's just a bad person. That's not God. That's just someone who is in a dysfunctional place and thinks that they know it all. But God is not like everyone. God is not like those people that you have tried to talk about with. He's not like those people. It's a false image because of people's shortcomings. It's not God. If you thought it was God, I pray for you and I, and I hurt for you because you have been taught something that is potentially could be God. But that's not the God we serve. That's not the God of the Bible, y'all. This is not God. This is, that's a God of an imagination. That is the God of, watch this, a preference. God of an agenda. This is the God of the Bible. God didn't condemn the people who were dealing with homosexuality. He let them go into it because it was their choice. Remember the first week, if you were here for the first week of Tell the Truth, Shame the Devil series, I talked about, and I would pray and ask God, God, where have you been? And he would ask me, who moved? He was saying it wasn't him that moved. Sometimes it's really us that moves. And because people give in to their dishonorable passions, God gives it to them. Because God's not going to fight with someone who doesn't choose him. God will not fight with someone that will not choose or acknowledge him. Well, that sounds petty. Well, you're giving in to dishonorable passions. That's petty. God loves you enough that he, it kind of hurts him sometimes that there's no acknowledgement. Now, don't get me wrong. Theologically, God does not need us. God does not, God has designed us by the way he wants to. Not just because of, of, of what, uh, what can I do for God? No, 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 no. What are we doing that God would favor us to do? Not because he doesn't need. But the thing is, is that because of his love, like I really, like, like, let me get back on that because some of us think that God, like, like I really think God needs me on this stage. God really needs me to do this. No, 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 no. God was God before I was ever here. God was still God before I ever got this position. So this means that God is wanting me to be in this position because it's who he is. It's the same thing with this. He lets them give into it, not because he hates them, condemns them, but because they did not choose God. They did not choose him. And you have to understand that your response is not judgmental because there are plenty of sins we wrestle with as well. 
Everybody in here struggles with some type of sin. Let me make it loud and make it clear. Everybody. Well, well, they, they're more, they're more exposed to their, to their homosexuality. They do more. Look, they might deal with homosexuality, but you deal with rebellion. You deal with this while they deal with that, but yet you want to judge that. Think that it's worse than really accepting the fact that you sin just like them and you're a child of God. God's grace is sufficient in everything, in every season. This is why it keeps you accountable. It's not about, oh, it's not about being right. It's about winning that one person that you know is struggling with it. No, and look, even if you say it in love, even if they walk away, you did the job. You sowed the seed. You did what you had to do. You don't have to keep going and keep trying and feeling like you're failing. I preach every week wondering if something's going to hit your heart. That's not my job. That is God's job to sow the seed in you. That's God's job. That's not my job. If that was my job, I would be failing all the time. But it's not my job. It's not my job. What happens with your heart, what you receive, that's not my job. Well, my job is to give to you what God gave me. That's my job. The second scripture about gender identity issues, and here's the deal. People naturally say, oh, that's just, that's just what it says in the book. That's not what, I don't think that's really, if you don't believe the word of God is true, then you will never be able to understand real truth. Because what it says right here in Genesis one twenty seven, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What this means, listen, y'all, what this means is that they would rather be something else than what God had already perfectly, beautifully created. They don't change because they think this is them all along. They change because they don't truly know who they are. They don't truly know who they are. And when you don't know who you are, you start finding it for yourself. And the problem is, is that God is the one that's going to help you find who you are. Not, not some type of self-discovery stuff. It's going to really happen when God finds you. And here's the problem. They don't find themselves, so they're going to think, I was this. And God created them in an image. The Bible says God made us uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's, and it's funny because people think that's a, a, a scripture for women. But it's also for men. Fearfully and wonderfully made. We were made in the image of God. But the problem is, is that they took they were deceived to think that I needed, I was this all along, but no, you weren't. This is who you are. This is, this is what God created you to be. Not what you think you are. God is. God knows who you are. And that's the problem. That's where the answer comes from. It's like the identity, and here's the deal. Not, it's not, and it's, it's part of it, but everybody has an identity issue. Everybody deals with their self-esteem, their self-worth. They deal with their insecurities because they don't know who they are. Now, look, I know who I am and I still deal with insecurities, but there's a mature mindset that you get to that you don't have to deal with certain insecurities that are pitiful until you get into a mature state. 
And these, and that's where it sinks slow because everybody deals with identity issues. But it hits certain people so deep that they even change their gender because they're not satisfied with what God had made them to be. That's the answer to it. That is what it means. You live, you live thinking, think about it. You live thinking that how you are right now is not who you're really made to be. How you are and how you are created is a slap in the face. Like, like, it, like this is not who you're supposed to be. You don't agree with this. And you change. And you change and you change and you change. And, and now you're not in the image that God created you to be anymore. Not anymore. The thing is, is that, and like I said, I want to keep us accountable in this because it's not just about what they do, how they're sinning. It's not about that. It's about how do you respond to situations of that? How do you respond? First Timothy 1, 8 through 11. Actually, no, no, no. Let me say my first point. I have three things I need you to know. One of the things that God does is that God's law was set in place to show sinners in need for a savior. First Timothy 1, chapter, eight, uh, chapter 1, verse 8 through 11, it says, Now we know that the law is good. If one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their, fa- their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, uh, prejudices, and who whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So here's what this shows me. This scripture does not say this law is not for the just, it's for the homosexuals. It doesn't just say that. It says everything else, every other sin that it calls out. Paul is calling out everything. Paul is not calling out one. He's calling out everything. But here's the problem. Sexuality likes to take the focus off of what we really should be focusing on. Pointing others to Christ. Our problem is we're so focused on what they're not doing and focusing on what they could be doing in Christ if we would bring them to that point. But we have learned to be so quiet. We've learned to be so so distant with when we talk about these subjects. And people wonder, people are like, man, that you know, the coming out of the closet thing, you hear that all the time. The reason why they are is because they're more fearful, they're more they're more assertive about what they are than we do sometimes. Hello. That's more than what we do or what we say. They're more assertive about their belief in who they are more than sometimes of what we think that we are because of the focus getting off of this. Here's the deal. Past sexual orientation and gender issues. If you bypass all of that, your mission does not change. You are meant to point people to Jesus. That's the mission. The mission doesn't change. How you treat people does not change. 
the way people act around you and how you treat them in that situation does not change. Look, I love people. But I ain't got to like people all the time. It's not always a normal thing to be like, oh, I'm just going to automatically just like this person. That's called blind trust. That's liking someone that you do not know yet. That you do not know yet. And that's, and here, and that's the thing. We just automatically trust and we automatically do this and that. Doesn't mean you have to like, but, but love is not a feeling. Love goes deeper. And it goes more of an act rather than just affirming or saying or feeling or whatever. Love is far deeper than that. Here's the second thing. It's our job to love people and it's God's job to change people. It's our job to love people and it's God's job to change people. Your job is sowing seed. God's job is plowing the harvest. It is not your job to control the weather. I'm using an agricultural illustration. It is not your job to plow and then see the harvest happen. That is not your job. All your job is is to go in, sow the seed, pat it up, do whatever you got to do. Then let nature do its job. Let God do his job. Instead of thinking you got to be right about something. Or you got to be right about this sin or right about this or right about that. It does not matter. What matters is that you sowed seed in love, not seed in judgment. If you would stop doing it in judgment and like this, we would rather be quiet and judgmental than loud in love. We would rather be quiet and judgmental rather than be loud in the love that God has given us through his Holy Spirit. We would rather do that Somebody's hurting. Man, they, they didn't even say hi to me today. They, they, so, they so mean to me. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're going through. That happened one time. I was talking to somebody. I forgot when this was. But I just it was on the back of my mind. They were so mean to me. I was like, bro, who do you think you is? I'm a youth pastor. You can't say that. You can't tell me that. But the funny thing was, was that this, this girl was going through a breakup. I didn't know that. And that's the problem. We jump to conclusions without knowing the facts. We jump to conclusions on someone without knowing what's going on in their life. They talked to me the wrong way. What's the root of them talking to you that way? What's the root? What's the root of them really being aggressive with how they speak? What's going on in their life today? What's going on in their life today? It's what you ask. And it's what you try to see. Y'all stop talking over there. Thank you. It's how you respond. It's how you respond to other people. Your job is to love. God's job is to change. I understand, and, and that's the thing. I understand what's happening in our world with all the policies and all these laws that are trying to make sin more of a big deal. And I get that. But we would rather talk about it and be like, oh, that's, that's the worst. That's the worst ever. And not do anything to love or help or change anything. We would rather look at something like that and be like, oh, that's a disgrace. And then walk away and go on with our day. But see, this is an awkward question. It's an awkward answer. It's a very awkward answer because a lot of us don't 
act. I said this to my team in a meeting a while ago when we were, when we were in our team meeting. I said, inf- your influence increases when your intentions become integrity. Your influence in someone's life increases when your good intentions become action. If you love someone, but you never show it, that's dead. That is dead. That is dead intentions. If you say you love everyone, but judge some, that is bad integrity. That is in it, well-meaning intentions. Because this is what people will do. This is how we gossip. We go, oh, let's talk about so-and-so so that we can pray for so-and-so. That's what we do. Let's, let's talk about so-and-so to where we can, like there's something going on. No, 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 no. Stop spiritualizing your dysfunction. Stop spiritualizing something that you should not be doing in the first place. We are not called to do this. This is not our place. Yes, we are human. Yes, you mess up. But that much? That much. That much. Like, I, like there's no growth. And there's no receptive to what God's trying to do in your life. You're more distant and quiet than to be loud in love. It's easy. Here's my second thing. Third thing. It's easy to judge and condemn those in sin if we are not obeying Jesus by loving them. So if the Bible is true, what this means is that we, if we are not loving others, we are disobeying God. If you don't learn to love others, what is that? That doesn't mean you have to be their BFF and know all of their struggles. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that if there's not some type of kindness, some type of passion for that person that you care about, that you want to see get saved, that you want to see out of their brokenness, you want to see them out of their depression, you want to see them out of those things. If you do not see that out, you're being disobedient towards the Lord's law. That's all he asks us to do. We don't have to jump through hoops to fulfill God's law. Jesus already did that on the cross. But the only two things he's telling us to do is love him and love each other. That's it. There's nothing more. You could not serve your whole life. You could not find your purpose your whole life. You could not even do anything your whole life. If you would at least love God and at least love others, then you're fulfilling God's law. Now I'm saying serve. And I'm also saying do these things. Find your purpose. Know who you are in Christ. That's good. Do it for the kingdom. But if you did not, if you would at least love God and love others, you're set. But our problem is that we're so focused. We're focused on somebody else's sin because I'm tired of dealing with mine. I'm tired of dealing with mine. I'm sick and tired of dealing with mine. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw it on somebody else. I'm going to throw it on somebody else. Because you get tired of you sometimes, don't you? You get tired of you sometimes. You get tired of you. And the thing is, is that if God loved you at your worst and God brought you out into your best, 
he can do the same thing for everyone else that is willing to accept him. He's willing. Last thing, love people who are different from you. I'm not saying accept their lifestyle. I'm not saying enjoy or even accept or get involved in the sin. But what I'm saying is, is that our approach towards someone is not in love sometimes. Yeah, they're being goofy and being dumb, but what if it's their only time to have fun when they're not in places where they feel discouraged to not have fun? You have to, you have to be aware of others. Be aware of yourself and aware of other people. The dude didn't even make eye contact. The dude is dealing with something right now. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know what someone's going through until you ask. You don't know what someone's going through until you ask. So yes, is homosexuality a sin? Yes. Is gender identity issues true and real? Yeah. There's a male and a female. But here's the deal. People, people will get discouraged because of how we respond. Yes, leave other, leave it up to the Lord. Submit to the Lord. But some things are your responsibility to take care of. There are certain things you need to say and do to glorify God, not just for yourself, but for other people to see. The Bible says, people will know you're my disciples when you love one another. And God even, Jesus, and Paul even said, while we were still sinning against God, his son died. That's his love. He died for that person still, still dealing with homosexual sin. He still died for that person. He still died. I have a story to end this. I had a friend when I was younger uh, named Gabe. And he was a cool guy. He, uh, we were very close. I was really close. Well, my mom was close with his mom. They worked at, uh, at a pharmacy together. And um, he, he, was, he was cool. He was a talker. He would, he would talk all the time, which I was cool because I wasn't a talker. So it was kind of cool. I listened. He would talk. We were the perfect BFF bros, right? It was just easy. And one of the things that, I, you know, I, I, he had like a little, like, like, a, like a feminine approach to, like, to certain things. But I was like, there's a lot of people like that. And, and I, I wasn't even paying attention. I was so young. And, um, and he was basically trying to come out uh, the closet and he was doing it to me. And um, I, I told, I, he would ask and he, and he was like, dude, it, is, is, is this, is this a sin? And then now I'm in a moment, I'm like 12, 11 years old at the time. And I'm like, what do I say? And I hadn't, didn't, I didn't know the scripture, but I have all, I had always heard it because I was in junior high and they kind of talked about it at that time. And, and I had told him, you know, you know, I've heard it in, in messages, you know, homosexuality is a sin. He's like, oh, but where? And that's when in that moment, I was 11 years old, y'all, 11 years old. God put Romans 1 in that area. And he said, yeah, like, you know, God gives people to their passions that aren't of him and all this stuff. And I didn't say it out of judgment. I was very calm to him. I was very loving to him because I knew who he was. How much more of a gratitude it is when you do it to someone that you don't know? How much more are you going to help someone that you do not know? And I told him, and I just told him, you know, the 
the thing. And he took it okay. He, he, he was resistant, but he accepted it. He accepted the fact. And I told it to him out of love. And listen, y'all, I broke my heart. Not three months later, the dude just went full on. He just, he was just, he was a part of it. He was full on, accepted what he liked, and he just did what he did. And I never stopped loving him. I never stopped. I don't talk to him a lot nowadays because I just, I haven't seen him. He went into the military and stuff like that. And I, I, I talked, I've talked with him every once in a while, but, but I still love him. Nothing changed. Does it break my heart that he now lives in it and he accepts it? Yes, it breaks my heart. But what doesn't break my heart is that my love for him ch- doesn't change. My care about him does not change. But that's sometimes easy when you know someone. When you know someone. The bigger challenge is someone that you don't know. Someone that you have not met. If I would be honest with you, some of us don't know how to react to that question. And that's why I want to encourage you. Learn to love. And if they ask the question, then answer out of love, but do not do it out of thinking that you know, and that, oh, they're going to hear it. No, no, no matter if their behavior is trash, you still do it out of love because wouldn't you want that for you from what you're dealing with, for what you're struggling with, the stuff that you don't even tell your parents about, stuff that you don't even tell your friends about, wouldn't you want the same thing Besides, that's why it's like a double standard that needs to break. Because we put something on a pedestal and then everything else that's hidden, no one knows about. No one knows about. Love people who are different from you. But if you're close with them and they really want to receive Christ, help them. Don't just tell them what to do. Guide them. Pray for them. Get in a prayer moment for that friend who is struggling with something. Instead of being like, wow, they really deal with this. We need to learn to love others that are different from us. And we need to learn that if Jesus does it, the son of God, who's way more perfect than you and me, if he can do it, we can for sure do it. Love others that are different from you every head bowed and every eye closed, as I close tonight, I want to challenge you as you get in a prayer moment, as you get in a moment with God, maybe it's hard sometimes because the command says love God and love others as you would love yourself. And it kind of lines up with, with our vision of this youth group. Know God, know who you are, do it for the kingdom. If I know that I can love God, if I love God and I learn how to love myself, I will learn how to love others. Some of you don't love yourself. Some of you, because here's the deal, we're going to treat others how we treat ourselves. 
110% facts. I don't care who you are, how nice you can be. You will always treat others the way that you treat yourself. And the challenge is that if you would learn to accept you and to let God give you the grace you need to work on you, then you will give the grace for God to work on other people and not think you have to rush someone's process because you don't like where they're at. Take a moment and ask God, Lord, what's in me? Lord, teach me to love this creation so I can love that creation. Help me to love Jacob to where I can learn to love them. It's not just about the homosexual part. It's about everything in our life. If we would learn to love me, I can learn to love others. I can learn to love others. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Lord, we honor you and we praise your name. We give you glory and honor and joy. It's an honor to live for you. Father, I pray, Lord, that there would be a shift in their mindsets. There would be a shift in their hearts about others who deal with these certain things, Lord. This message is not about how to combat someone who's trying to push an agenda. No, 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 no. This is about how we respond. Our response is important. Our response to others is important. Not that we accept what they do, not accept what they try to do to us. That's not what I'm talking about, Lord. We, I mean that. I need to learn to respond in love rather than respond in silence and judgment. We need to learn, Lord, to be assertive in love that let our love not change for others. Teach us to love one another. Teach us to care about one another. Even though we might not like what they're doing, Lord, help us in that area because some of us have a hard time. Lord, I've had a hard time trying to love someone who is not in the place they should be. But Lord, give me the grace. Give us the grace. Give us the velocity of your spirit in order to love and to encourage and to to build up these people who are dealing with something right now. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that is downloading a word within us about how to love, how to really be kind to one another, how to care for one another, not just in our Christian circle, not just in our cliquish circle, but even in the areas that we don't even go to, that you would be there, that you would tell us what to say, that you would guide us in a loving aspect towards others who are struggling with these things. Father, I ask, Lord, that we wouldn't judge and go into a condescending mindset, but we would learn to put you on the pedestal of our hearts to where we can learn that if we love you and love ourselves, we can love other people. I pray this challenge settles within our hearts and it settles within our minds that we would be proactive in this. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. 
And thank you, Lord. I pray that in this series that we're going to experience a new revelation, a new perspective that maybe we have not seen before in our own life that we can use for your glory and for your kingdom and to benefit us in our identity in you and who you are in us. We thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.